Thank you for tuning in to the Mary Center's Taste of Adams Morgan mini-series. Really excited to have you all here today. My name is Antonio Caro, and I'm the development associate, actually, at Mary Center, working with uh, online communications, fundraising, all that stuff above. You know, we have something very excited for you today, so let's uh, get it going. Ask anyone about Adams Morgan. I guarantee that 50% of the time, you'll get responses about the nightlife, the music, raunchiness, and drunken charades of power hour-enthused 20-something-year-olds. When asked about the food scene, newcomers and college students alike will rave about the grease streak slices of Jumbo Slice. But Adams Morgan is more. It's vibrant, dynamic, and ever-changing. It's a cocktail-rich and neighborly love representing DC's past, present, and future while reflecting the exploding diversity across the region. How do we get here? Well, we'll find out through this exclusive Taste of Admiral mini-series. I will say though, within these handful of blocks, there are eclectic individuals, beloved community institutions, and incredible restaurants with dishes that shattered DC's segregated restaurant scene and defied the notion that Washington was ever a culinary backwater. On today's episode, we'll learn about one restaurant at the forefront of DC's pupusa fever. A representation of the city's Latino diaspora, El Tamarindo, has been a cornerstone of ADMO community for over 35 years. Family-owned, this super funky restaurante not only has incredible food, but a story that shows us what it means to achieve your own American dream. So, wepa. Without further ado, let's listen to my conversation about familia, cultura, and comida with El Tamarindo's owner, Ana Reyes. Hey, Antonio. So, thank you so much for, for having me. I'm super excited um, for the taste of Adams Morgan and just kind of just to be sitting here and chatting with you and sharing a little bit about what we do, what we are, and, and um, the richness that Adams Morgan offers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been so lucky here at, uh, at Mary Center. Mary Center has been in the neighborhood for over 30 years. Um, and we're a community health center, you know, all about inclusivity, diversity, and we're so lucky to have partners like El Tamarindo that are also aligned with like bringing DC's Latino cultura out, but just also welcoming everybody from all backs of life. You've been such supporters of taste. Uh, we're on our seventh year, hard to freaking believe. I literally can't believe it. it's already seven years and it keeps on growing, but it's, it's really thanks to community supporters like y'all. So I really do appreciate that. Yeah. Well, but uh, so I've, I've been... I've been excited, you know, I've, I've been talking to my family, my friends, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. Like, I'm gonna come talk to Ana Reyes from El Tamarindo. Like, El Tamarindo is so near and dear to our mm. heart, right? My family's from the DC metro area. My brother would come here sober, drunkenly, all sorts of emotions, <laughs> like at all sorts of hours of the day with all sorts of friends, right? And my uncle was a priest up in Woodley Park. So after church, when I was little, we'd come here wow. and munch on some pupusas. Like, how could you not, right? That's amazing. So. Y'all have been here in business for, for, for so long. You've been part of the community um, mm -hmm. for more than 30 years, right? It, it's been uh, 37 years this year. Wow. So yeah. more than so 37 years this year. And it, it makes me question, it makes me wonder, how, how have you been here so long? Understanding how DC's constantly in flux, right? There is diversity exploding, but you know, the sad reality behind it is that there is gentrification. Sometimes it feels like certain parts of DC's culture is kind of waning or being pushed to the side. While so many places have disappeared, how have you guys been here for so long? How have you maintained? Yeah, well, you know, my my parents, uh, they've done many, many, many amazing things. But I think the smartest thing they did was purchase their um, property, their building, which I always, always, whenever I get an opportunity to kind of throw that out there, I think that's key for, for small businesses in D.C. If they have an opportunity or find find a way to purchase their property, property i would love to see the city one day offering some type of incentives um, to help business owners purchase their properties because that's 
really going to be a key in yeah. order to stay afloat and and um and in a city that's just in high demand and and there's so many changes going on and um i think it will definitely it definitely contributes to the richness of the city on, and the authenticity of the city absolutely um you know it's interesting that you say that i, I went to a anc 1c meeting last mm-hmm. time you know to talk about adams morgan and just i'm excited it's about taste so i'm literally yeah. telling everybody everywhere about this festival but they had a very interesting conversation about uh, Mayor Bowser's like budget mm-hmm. um, and about affordable housing. And this uh, group of uh, men in the room that have literally been here for like 40 plus years in the neighborhood, they were like, listen, we're here not to like opine on this, like, you know, uh, on this policy or on the budget, sure. but just to remind everybody not to forget about the Latino community, right? Yep. We're here. We've been a huge part. Um, Adams Morgan, I mean, you guys came here 37 years ago, so that's when, like, the, that's the Latino diaspora right there. That's when a huge Absolutely. influx of the Latino community came. Um, which then, like, so what, what was the reason for your parents to come? Like, what was their backstory? It, you know, like, the majority of the Salvadorans that came to D.C., they mm-hmm. were ex- escaping poverty. Yeah. Um, there was a war going on in El Salvador, so it was safety issues. And um, they both came uh, to directly to D.C., um, with the idea of working and creating a better life for themselves. And they had um, our, us, our kids, um, their kids here. Um, we were all born here. And they really started the restaurant with zero, well, zero business experience. They had a restaurant experience just by my, my dad worked at a Mexican restaurant on the waterfront. It's no longer there. It's called Casa Maria, I believe. Okay. Um, so he um, worked as a... Uh, the waterfront before the waterfront was like before, way too expensive yeah, to even walk around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, he was a dishwasher, a busser, a ho... Pretty much. So anytime anybody called out, they called him, whatever position, and he just covered it. And so he learned pretty much... The ins and outs. The ins and outs of the restaurant, of, of an, a restaurant. Yeah. And my mom, she, so I guess their dynamic, my dad has been like that manual labor force and just kind of the face of the business. My mom's been on the back end. My mom got her business um, expertise really by, she lived in this small pueblo. My mom grew up an orphan. Mm-hmm. Um, she lived in a small pueblo and the house where she grew up in her aunt or her, I believe it was her aunt. They had a small store. Um, so she used to help out in the store and she would go out and sell in, in the pueblo. Um, so that's kind of where she got her, her business savviness from. What a power duo. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Jesus. And so they, um, you know, those two those two forces came together. They worked literally day and night. Um, That's what I remember growing up. They were just always, always, always working. Um, So it's interesting that you say that. And I I love that story. It really brings it to home because my mother, uh, I was raised by a single mother with mm -hmm. my uh, two older siblings. Yeah. And she worked tooth and nail, multiple jobs to get us through like private school scholarships. And I mean, sometimes like it it took a lot because I hated studying at some point. So she would put out La Correa and for the (laughs) non-Spanish listeners, that's the belt and just give us that old school whooping and be like, hey, you need to focus on your studies and really achieve your own American dream. Yeah. And that's what's so refreshing, especially in such a toxic climate that we live in, when you have those stories of resilience, right? Mm-hmm. That 
you really take control of your narrative and you're like, I can achieve my own American dream. And that's why I, I love coming here beyond the food, um, beyond the food, beyond that. Like it's, it's an incredible story and it's an incredible experience. Um, why did your parents, um, you know, going from waterfront and working around there, why did they pick Adams Morgan of all places? So uh, on the corner mm -hmm. right here on 18th and Florida, my dad used to run a billiards in a small oh, wow. <laughs> little billiards. And I think they, they used to like do a little gambling and you know, whatever. Like, yeah, so some of the sketch stuff on the side. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and my mom, my mom would sell like donuts and hot chocolate to mm -hmm. the, you know, the guys that would come and play. And then this place, if I'm not mistaken, our location now, and it was just this side where the main entrance is, I think it was a pawn shop. And it, um, it came up for rent and my dad's like, you know what? I think we can do this. <laughs> okay. And they, they literally, they just winged it. like Caution to the wind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they had, you know, so again, they worked really hard. They had a lot of family and friends that worked for free that taught them certain recipes. Um, wow. And just kind of everybody came together to to make it happen. And then, you know, we had that huge Salvadoran migration to D.C. in the 80s, which is when the restaurant opened. So it was just like all that support. So people found like a second home here because there weren't. I don't think there was another Salvadoran restaurant. Um, yeah, there well, might have been a Latino restaurant. There was a Latino. I know. So like a little background for our listeners for DC's like pupusa fever. There was a point, I think it was in the 70s, Carlos Gardel, um, a restaurant that actually was um, from Argentina, right? Mm. You know, Carlos Gardel is the tango singer and mm -hmm, things like that. Mm -hmm. But so Carlos Gardel sold pupusas. It was random. It was very random. But it was before like that. It really became a staple of DC's diet, right? Yeah. Um, that pupusa fever. Yeah. And I really see El Tamarindo as being like one of those restaurants or one of those cornerstones. You guys are a cornerstone of the community um, that is really say like, hey, the pupusa is here, proud and ready to be eaten. You yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll get a little bit more into the pupusa, uh, the food, that amazing food that you guys offer a little bit later in the in the show. But uh, but yeah, that's a little background in terms of like pupusa fever. Mm -hmm. However, I, I wanted to ask you, talking about being the first, I heard, and I'm not sure if this is true. Are you the first Mexican Salvadorian restaurant? And why did that fusion happen? Okay, so there, I, I'm not 100%. I can't think of any. Yeah, word on the street is that you, I'm pretty sure you guys are. I'm almost We might have yeah. done that. We might have done yeah, that. Yeah, if, if they're not, <laughs> listeners, I'm sorry. I apologize. But hey, as of now, <laughs> they are the first. So we're waiting to see if anybody else claims that title in and the D.C. area, it, or in D.C. You know, in the 80s, we had a huge, um, the huge migration of Salvadorans uh, to D.C. Yeah. In, in the 80s. Um, and obviously other Latinos. Um, but in that time is really when the foundation for the Latino community started developing yeah. here in DC. Um, so it's kind of, Salvadoran uh, food was not known. You know, people maybe didn't even know where El Salvador was. So maybe it wasn't the best idea to open up a Salvadoran restaurant. So I, th I think we might have just piggybacked on the Mexican to kind of and snuck in the Salvadoran and yeah, <laughs> I, I can see that. That makes until sense. We, until we can have our own our own platform, and I and I you know it took some time, but you know we have pupuserias all around the city now. So I I, I think it was just a, a strategy to to kind of introduce the the cuisine. That's that's incredibly smart, and it's funny that you say that at that time people couldn't really like pinpoint maybe where El Salvador was, right? 
I would even say that nowadays, people, there's some people, you know, in the media also that probably wouldn't be able to. I saw that caption the other day it's on It's a Fox. Mexican country. Yeah, where it was like three Mexican <laughs> countries. It's like, excuse me, what? <laughs> so um, yeah. completely understand the reason behind that. Yeah. However, I will say, you know, to anybody coming to D.C., when they're like, hey, like, Antonio, what are, what are those, like, go-to food places, right? You know, I could talk, or, like, food recipes or cuisines and things like that. I can, you know, go nice and gritty, hole in the wall, be like some mumbo sauce. But I always, always, always think of pupusas and always think of el tamarindo. So awesome. near and dear to my heart and amazing pupusas, y'all, they have literally every variety. Like, <laughs> um, and we'll get specific. You know, actually, let's talk about it now. So what exactly is a pupusa? Pupusas are, um, it's like a corn tortilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, mix, uh, I'm sorry, filled with different fillings. The most popular Ooh. one is going to be chicharron, uh, the revuelta, which is chicharron con queso. It's like a ham, almost like a ham pate. It's like pork rind in there and things yep. like that. Oh my and God. And we mix it with cheese and then we, you know, there is there is a certain, t- have you ever tried making pupusas? So I've never tried making pupusas, but I've eaten many of them. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to gonna have to do that one day. It's, I would love it, Yeah. Um, so you have different fillings. You can do, like I said, the revuelta, which is pork and cheese. Uh, beans, loroco, which is amazing, um, shrimp. I actually, I two of my favorites are lo- loroco, queso, and frijol, mm-hmm. or loroco, queso, and camarones. You have to, I'll have you try those next time. They're super good. Um, but there's many different fillings. And then I think the secret is also in the curtido, which is like, it's like a coleslaw, but it's a pickled coleslaw. So it's super yummy. And then you put a little bit of salsa on top. So you know that whole series, salt, fat, and acid? Like, it kind of mixes all exactly, those together. Exactly, like, exactly. You know how, like, you know, a really good taco has, like, a mixture of all those? Like, the pupusa, for our listeners, needs to have that, ma- the, the cortido, right? Yep. Needs to have that, like, is it that, that pickled kind of, like, acidity to it, yep. too? Yep. And it breaks through that cheese, the fat, the And tort- the texture oh my and everything. Yep. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, I call it like an arepa on steroids. I'm Colombian, and mind you, we pride ourselves of having some bomb, super funky arepas. But, like, <laughs> the pupusa gives it a run for its money. That's sacrilegious for me to say. <laughs> I but, didn't say it. You yeah, did. Yeah, I didn't say it. But, I mean, I guess I did. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hope my mama doesn't hear this. But, uh... But yeah, so it's it's interesting to see. And I, I like to also look at history and things. So I eat so much. I love food. And I'm a huge believer that food, things like Taste of Adams Morgan, is really a gateway to cultural understanding, to welcoming diversity. Like I said before, earlier, D.C. was a very segregated city in the even its culinary scene, mm-hmm. right? So having food festivals like Taste opens up the doors and says, these are our communities. You know, Adams Morgan, a lot of people don't know that it had a huge Ethiopian mm-hmm. population. Like the, the diaspora of Ethiopian community was in Adams Morgan and Shaw, right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of opens the doors, welcomes you into the house. It's kind of like Anthony Bourdain where he would go to other countries and show people that this is not as intimidating. It's not, it's not what you thought it was. It's incredible. It's unique. And there's a story to tell behind each bite, yeah. right? So the way I see the pupusa and what you've also just said is that it's been really a joining force behind the community. Like the pupusa is at the epicenter. El tamarindo's pupusa, right? Yeah. Um, and that brings me to my next question, going back to the community. How have you seen Adams Morgan change since the Latino diaspora, since the 80s and 90s? Um, yeah, how, how have you seen it change? Uh, you know, it's, it's changed um, completely. One of the reasons why they chose this location, my parents, um, it was because it was affordable. This is not, you know, a neighborhood that you go into because uh, it's affordable anymore. Yeah, uh, um, yeah very so, true. you know, apartments. That, it's yeah. Rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough. You know, uh, so 
it's definitely changed the the you know when housing goes up when rents goes up the demographics will change as yeah. well this used to be a heavily salvadoran populated neighborhood well you across the street this these were all salvadoreños that would cross really? the street and buy pupusas um maybe twice a day or come in you know this was just where they came and got food and all all of these houses down yeah. um for our listeners street. they're on uh florida and columbia so mm-hmm. they're right at like they welcome it's kind of like the welcoming gate to adams morgan but also a segue into u street so you yeah. guys are really at the heart yeah heart yeah. of dc it's incredible yeah but so, so that was uh, right across the street all so this entire just adams morgan yeah. was a very like there were there was a huge salvadoran population um, the Latino Festival used to be here in Adams Morgan. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and before they moved it down to, to Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, they had it at Mount Pleasant at one point. And then they went to Penn. I remember I used to like, you know, shake my hips or at least try to because I'm like a little bad at dancing. <laughs> but uh, I would eat, go over there and hang out by Hades and everything at the Latino Festival at Mount Pleasant. But I then think th- that's a different one. Oh, that's a, oh my that's gosh. A different, it was a different festival. Um, See, I can't even keep up with it. But there was a huge, <laughs> huge uh, Latino festival that, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, um, Sonia Gutierrez. One of the uh, madrinas of D.C. I love Sonia. Absolutely. And, and El Señor Perdomo mm-hmm. are the ones who, who, um, who ran the festival. Yeah. And that was, that was here in Adams Morgan. Um, and also, when, you know, when the Latinos had their day off, and I'll say Latinos, but mostly Salvadorans, um, they would just, or maybe just Latinos, they would just hang out on Columbia Road. Yeah. That was like the Latino hangout, and you would run into people you saw, and it was, you just kind of strolled the street of uh, Those Columbia Those were the memories Road. I had. My, my uncle was a priest over at uh, Santo Tomas in Woodley Park, right mm-hmm. around like the late 90s, early 2000s, and like even then, like we would come over here, and mm-hmm. where Popeyes is now mm-hmm. was like a Peruvian chicken joint that mm-hmm. was like bomb yuca and great mm-hmm. Peruvian chicken, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just remember being up and down the street and it was like La- Latinidad was screaming from yeah, every corner. Totally, totally. And, so. and it's interesting that you say that. I know. So going back to like what I where I was at uh, last night at the ANC1C meeting mm-hmm. where the guy stood up and was like, don't forget about the Latino community. It's also like outside of, you know, providing affordable housing and avenues for um, minority owned businesses to thrive, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to repeat, and that's why Taste of Adams Morgan also is, is such a unique event to really support your local restaurants, right? There's so many dynamic Absolutely. new restaurants opening in the neighborhood, and we'll get to that later on in the rest of our mini-series, mm-hmm. but I wanted to start with El Tamarindo because I wanted to really start with the point that focus on your home and on the history, right, of where you live. Even if you're not born here in D.C., know a little bit about the history, about the businesses that have really change the culture, change the mindset, and change Absolutely. the t- taste buds of the city, right? Yeah. And invest in that because, you know, way too many of these businesses are being pushed out, right? They can't afford, they can't. It's so important to support now more than ever. So Absolutely. important. Because, you know, we got, yo, we got to represent, right? Yeah, definitely. So talking about change, let's go to the food now, right? <laughs> the good, good stuff. So uh, how has the menu changed since 1980, uh, 1982? Because uh, I've, I've seen that you guys have like a gluten-free menu too. Is that still a thing? or? Yeah. So it's not, it's not a separate gluten-free menu. Okay. It's, we've just kind of identified the items that are gluten-free, which, you know, given that we have so many items with corn, it's, yeah. it's kind of 
it wasn't too difficult to. Well, I will say in the taste of Ad- Adams Morgan taste guide, we yeah. uh, put in like what's gluten free and be- and people support like awesome. love that because you're not like there's a lot of people that are now gluten free or vegan, so on and mm-hmm. so forth. And they specifically want to know where they can go. So I love that you guys have pointed that out. And yeah. I mean, rock on. But yeah. So yeah. In, in what other ways has the menu changed? Um, so pretty much just um, the majority of it is very much the same. I would say about 85 percent is Ooh, that's awesome. <laughs> probably, you know, the original dishes, the sauces, the recipes, they're all the same. Um, we have just changed a little bit um, with, you know, food trends. Yeah. Um, maybe adding a little more veggies or, you know, our we did modify a couple, several years ago um, our rice and bean uh, recipe. We're, it's, they're vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, they used to put chicken stock in it before. So just kind of modifying gotcha. that as people's diets have changed. We're just staying. Um, yeah. So I, I will say that. One, I love that most of the, most of the menu, like 85% of it is still true to itself, mm-hmm. right? Because you feel like that's a gateway to DC's past too, since y'all have been here so long, right? Yeah. And it's incredible to be able to sit here and really be able to reflect like, wow, like these are dishes that communities before me, people who have set the foundation of this neighborhood have enjoyed. I've yeah. picked back, like I said, Vesa or two and just like, <laughs> you know, talk, you know, hung out, right? Well, for us, it's really, it's really an honor. You know, you said you used to come here after church <laughs> yeah. um, or, you know, we still have a lot of the folks that used to live across the street uh, that they've moved to like, you know, Manassas or, you know, they've moved out to the suburbs and they used to live here 30 years ago and mm-hmm. they come back. We're still here. Or they can still eat what they used to eat, you know, growing up, growing up. Um, and it's still whether it's uh, for a Salvadoran or for a Latino, um, whether it, it it's that um, they're able to reminisce mm-hmm. or. Um, so look back and just really appreciate the cuisine because it kind of, it kind yeah. of like opens up like a part of the brain that, you know, with it's with work, with life stress you know sometimes you you don't have a moment to reflect right yeah and i love those moments in life especially when it comes to food that you sit down and have that meal and that first bite you're automatically taken back to like wow like to to a time that was simple right yeah or a time that was so honest so passionate you know or well what you had the mariscada the other day yeah i was actually about to mention that (laughs) i had the mariscada for our listeners i had the mariscada which is like the seafood soup right it has lobster fish, shrimp, mussels, and this incredible broth. It's like a marriage of like, take a a New England clam chowder with its seafood kind of undertone, pair it with like the lighter broth of a ramen, but not as salty. Mm -hmm. And you get this beautiful marriage that just screams like also Latinidad. It is (laughs) so good. And I took one bite of it and Colombians were proud of our soups and we make bomb soups, right? We make sancochos, ajiacos. But my mom would also, you know, she was working so much so she would make up random recipes random soups put random things together and it would just work right we had this <laughs> caldo de pollo y papa that the broth that i had yesterday here with the mariscada uh-huh. took me back and it wow. took me back to my mama in chancletas listening to joe arroyo in la cocina she was just cooking up a storm That's had no amazing. idea what she was doing this is before that she really she i mean to this day she doesn't even know how to use google well but like still like she she would just be like i think this looks good this looks fine i mean we'll try this now <laughs> And it just brought me back to that embrace, you yeah. know, that that just pure happiness. And I was, thing. I was sitting here and I'm like, 
I don't know how to feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to cry. Yeah, yeah. And, and another, you know, another uh, part of your dish that for, to me is incredible. And I really recently become more hip to it, right? And I mm. went to Oaxaca for a uh, family friend's uh, okay. wedding recently, yep. right? And they're known for their mole, right? Yeah, yeah. And for our listeners, mole, there's a complexity behind it, right? A lot of people say it's like this heart and soul of Mexico. It has over 36 ingredients that go into that sauce. There's a smoky, spicy, sweet. It's just... It's also an emotional experience, yeah. right? And you guys have it like a mole negro, right? Like a dark yeah. mole that you can taste that spice. You can taste so, a whole yeah. different personality in there. Yeah, and you're not even Mexican. It's crazy that you're able to like, it's wild. I love it. <laughs> we had we had a Mexican friend okay. give us that recipe. And community then. Yeah. There we go. That's Absolutely. what's so beautiful. Absolutely. And I think that's why, why y'all epitomize, right? Adams Morgan's history and where the city is going in the future, right? Because I think it takes a community effort, just like making your mole, right? <laughs> to really bring the city ahead and to make sure that the Afro-Latino experience, the Salvadoran experience, so Absolutely. on and so forth, all these different ethnic, you know, diverse backgrounds aren't forgotten, aren't left behind, right? Yeah. And I think every time, I'm a firm believer, every time someone here, our listeners, come to El Tamarindo ASAP, buy your tickets to Taste of Adams Morgan, and really experience this firsthand. Because... Not only do you get a gateway through the food, but you also, I mean, at the end of the day, the event, restaurants like El Tamarindo work hand in hand with Mary Center. We're a community health center that does comprehensive care, right? Comprehensive health care, education, social service programs to over 50,000 people in the D.C., Maryland area, right? Yeah. So it's, it's incredible. It's just an explosion of, of diversity, and it, it welcomes into this community that's built together, right? Mary Center has built the community. The Tamarindo has built the community, and together we have grown. Yeah. You know, any, any collaboration that we can um, participate in with Mary Center is just, it's an absolute yes. I have <laughs> so you. much respect for, for Mary Center and for Maria Gomez. She's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just uh, the, the community that Mary Center serves is there's so much need yeah. at, that, that um, Mary Center covers for this community. And it's done, any time that I hear anybody mention Mary Center, they just, it's almost like a, they have so much love for Mary Center. There's, it, this is a community that doesn't necessarily always feel welcome. Or yeah. they're 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 intimidated pretty frequently because they're not familiar with the culture or the systems, and Mary Center is really a, a place that helps them navigate the system and helps them stay healthy and just kind of provides guidance in so many levels, whether it's through through you know their healthcare insurance, so many so many education, um, so you know and I, I I've heard Maria's story and Mary yeah. Center's story. Um, several times and it's really just it doesn't get any more real than that so really through the taste of Adams Morgan you, you know you get to eat amazing food learn a little bit about the history of Adams Morgan and support an amazing amazing organization you, that yeah. helps the community that you know sometimes we feel like a certain community is um, if you're whether you're Latino or not, but you might feel that a certain community you're just you don't have any relationship to. But we're we're all connected. We, are. we all live in this society. We're all somehow connected. Whatever happens to one community will somehow end up affecting you. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just it. The taste of Adams Morgan is just such an easy way to make a huge contribution 
yeah, make a huge contribution and get connected with a community and a history that a lot of times isn't known. And also it gives you a glimpse into a future that's promising, right? Yeah. Because we want to build stronger communities. And just like El Tamarindo, we serve a diverse variety of people. We actually started again with the Latino diaspora. We started serving um, uh, mothers over in Columbia Heights. We had a basement mm -hmm. clinic um, mm -hmm. back in 88, 1980. Mm -hmm. We celebrated our 30th anniversary last year. And we've grown so much. We give dental, um, dental behavioral health services. I mean, it's a huge variety of services that we offer. Um, and that's why we're so grateful for, for restaurants like y'all. So thank you again. Um, yeah. I, so one more thing. I know, so for the listeners who, you know, have never been here, one part of the experience of El Tamarindo is also the ambiance. Mm -hmm. I love your ambiance. Mm -hmm. There's like, so, you know, for the people, you know, listening right now, there's a bunch of paintings that really give an ode to Latino cultura. Right? Absolutely, yeah. So tell me a little bit about the ambiance, what was behind it. What, tell the listeners what's on the wall, who painted it. Let's talk about that. So, so we renovated the space, um, you know, and I, it's, it's so crazy, but I can't remember the exact year because it was such a blur. It was such a busy <laughs> time for me. But I'm going to say it like was in 2016. When things are stressful, like they move um, 100 miles per hour. Stressful yeah. is like un piropo, how they say in Spanish. Un piropo, like it's nothing. So th I, I, it was in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it was kind of a fine line to walk because, you know, we've been here so long. We've had customers that have been coming here since they were little. Um, so we wanted to freshen up the space, but we didn't want to change it to a point where it was like people didn't feel welcome anymore. Um, so thankfully, it was very well received. Um, the, 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 the renovation. And then, you know, I had these bare walls and I, I was like, man, what am I going to do with it? And I, I called David, David Amoroso, and I'm like, David, I need your help. I need your help. And he came and he like, the following day, it was like gorgeous in here. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Wait, like, so he just did it like overnight? Was like, all right, I got you. He came in and he he put his artwork up, and you know, like his 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 art has really become what, like, when you think of when I think of El Tamarindo and like the colorfulness and and everything, it's it's David's art. Yeah. Um, and we were lucky enough to have him. He gifted us this El Tamarindo mural on the back wall. Oh, I had no uh, idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, so, so there's was... a huge, uh, for our listeners, there's a huge mural in the back of the restaurant that just says El Tamarindo with a tree growing out. What's the tree represent? It's, it's the Tamarindo tree. Okay, so there we go. Yeah. Um, so that was that was his his um, idea, his his work. and <laughs> I love it. Um, I had, I asked him to do something completely different. And then we were kind of envisioning it. And he's like, ah, I don't like it. I don't know. And he's like, what about this? And I was like, that's perfect. Like, it was just like, he, he took over and like, he worked his magic. And it's, you know, everybody, you know, everybody comes in and they want to take a picture with the mural in the background. So it's just beautiful. We, we love, have, David is a huge part of El Tamarindo. Um, and I think at one point he also, so he's been displaying his artwork here for, even before the renovation, maybe wow. I'm going to say maybe 20 years. Okay. Um, and I, and I remember him saying in an interview with, with, I think, I believe it was with Telemundo, um, that he was painting, but he wasn't kind of, um, he wasn't displaying his artwork. And then I think he talked to my dad. So it was early on in his career. Yeah. Or I'm not sure. Oh, it was okay. earlier on earlier in his on. career. Gotcha. Um, but I think he wasn't painting as much. Yeah. And once he started, uh, 
showcasing his artwork here, um, it just kind of picked up again. That's incredible. Yeah, for, so. for our listeners, so David Amoroso is this super eclectic, super unique Latino artist. Um, you, you told me the other day he's, he's colorblind, right? That David is colorblind. Yeah, yeah. So, but his works come <laughs> to life. It's yes. incredible. He has incredible paintings of Frida, El Chavo del Ocho, huge figures in the Latino community, big part of Latino history. And it's just, he has so much personality that radiates through every single color he uses. It's incredible. So definitely, after you're listening to this, after you buy a Taste of Adams Morgan tickets on sale right now, <laughs> go check David Amoroso out online. Buy one of his paintings. His prints can also be found all over the city. He's a phenomenal artist. He, he has art uh, over at Mrs. Pixie's as well. Yeah, that's... So you can, you can come and see them here or you can see them at Mrs. Pixie's. Absolutely. Um, and he's just an amazing person for those of you who don't know David. Yeah. That's yeah. another fun fact. Yeah. He's pretty awesome. He's fantastic. <laughs> so, you know... I think we, we cover most of it. Uh, what makes our overall Taste of Asbury unique is that we have participation like uh, of community institutions like El Tamarindo, right? Yeah, yeah. We have, you know, just a variety of, of restaurants. You know, you have Roofers Union that it's like um, has incredible food and incredible mm -hmm. beer selections. Petango, Gelato. I mean, the list goes on. And we have so many new restaurants popping up in the neighborhood. Just the other day, we got this one place called The Game. And they mm -hmm. have like Filipino bar food. Like, what? Oh, yes. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. But I, I think that's really what makes this festival unique is that it's, a, it's just individual people with incredible stories, incredible food that really do, does represent DC's past, its present, and where it's going, which is just an explosion of diversity. And hopefully, hopefully, the Latino or the community can hold on to those roots and support those local businesses that have historically been here, like El Tamarindo. So, Ana, thank you so much for joining us thank today. You, it's been Antonio. a great conversation. Definitely. Thank you so much. Special shout out to my friend, Cindy Zavala, a.k.a. La Salvador Reina. She is an incredible cumbia hip-hop mix uh, star. Uh, her song, De Mi Tierra, which is the song you were just listening to, is incredible. So she definitely epitomizes the Salvadorian culture and ties in perfectly with El Tamarindo. 